back to another episode of With Sonar. I'm Luke. We've got a great lineup for you today. Uh, also, it's just after tax day, so if you didn't file your taxes yet, better start filing that extension now. Uh, also, we've got uh, now let's talk about today. It's earnings season for the transports. Uh, we've got produce season starting to kick up to an extent. We'll talk about that. We've got the State of Freight webinar that is tomorrow. Be sure to tune in for that. So we've got uh, Craig, our CEO, as well as Zach Strickland, head of intelligence, and then um, Adam Joseph. So it'll be a great event. Great time uh, to connect and communicate with a lot of the folks that are going to be there. Um, but um, for first, uh, gentlemen, it's earnings season. Anybody you've got your eye on and you can't say somebody that already submitted earnings? Tanner, you going to go first? Transportation or just stock market as a whole? Uh, uh, both. Both? I think C.H. Robinson's going to be interesting. Yeah. Uh, the last quarter wasn't great. Uh, I think NAST was down about 17%. Um, yeah, ocean market got hit hard. So that's going to be one I'm going yeah. to keep close eye on. Yeah, I'm going to go with Knight Swift. Uh, largest truckload player. Obviously been active in the M&A space as well. So interested to hear just the, not even the results. It's more of the commentary around the results eh, and their expectations for the market. Because I think that's, Really, the driver that I've seen is for the expectations that some of these companies set back in Q4 earnings that, hey, they kind of put this flag in the ground saying second quarter, by the end of second quarter, into the back half of the year, that's when we might see an inflection. I want to see if that's changed. It, it started to change with J.B. Hunt, which we'll touch on a little bit, but uh, see if that's kind of a broad, broader theme across the board. Yeah, I agree. I think that I think that's a that's a good way to look at it. I mean, we know everything's going to be down. The co- the commentary and the context around and what they're doing as a result will definitely be really really interesting to see. Um, also, curious to see if any started announcements around further M and A deals or the the interest around that. Mm-hmm. I would say there has to be. I mean, evaluations are at their lowest. Obviously, Knight Swift acquired US Express. Wouldn't be surprised if, honestly, they went out and acquired someone else. I don't. I forget how much cash they're sitting on, Tony, if you remember. But Ed, there's there should be a couple acquisitions. Yeah, I mean, I think Schneider's another one to keep your eye on. Uh, making, getting into the M and A space, right? I mean, they've they kind of have that war chest as well. So yeah, uh, I think there are prime. I don't know the targets, but they're prime buyers at this point. I guess is probably the better way. Yeah, I think the LTL space is actually an interesting one too. Um, that market has been struggling for quite a while, and I think there's a lot of there's a lot of smoke and mirrors in LTL. Um, something's got to get cleaned up. So, we'll I'm interested in one to watch too. Yeah, it'd be interesting. There's a lot, lot of a uh, lot of regional LTL players uh, happening right now. So, be I agree. I also think it'll be interesting to see how this starts to continue to trickle down towards some of the uh, parcel players. You know, if we when we look at FedEx, UPS. Um, Maybe even DHL to an extent. DHL is an interesting one that I've had my eye on, right? Their exposure to a lot of the uh, uh, to a lot of the freight forwarding uh, like that CH has, but they also do a lot of lot of a lot of inland logistics as well. I mean, they're they're a full package player, and they're global to England, right? I mean, you think about it, really, they're predominant in Europe. I mean, that's their big play, and so yeah, I mean, they have their exposure. I mean. When you, in comparison to kind of, I don't want to say UPS, but I mean, in comparison, it's, it's a lot more, not, it's a lot more international than, than maybe UPS, even though UPS and FedEx both have international, fairly large international businesses. It's, uh, they have, I would say bigger domestic plays here than DHL. 
Another thing we've been interested in is we, we don't talk about it much, but the the air cargo space. Yes. That industry has grown so much over the last two or three years during COVID as well, and it doesn't get enough attention. One thing interesting is that FedEx actually already released their earnings late in March. And yeah. Took a look at the breakdown the other day. I tweeted about it, but their operating income on their the the FedEx Express, which is their air cargo division, mm-hmm. is down 77% year over year for the first quarter of the year. And that, that includes, and they're, they're like a, a wonky, uh, their calendar is weird. So like sure. their Q3 is actually December, January, and February. So it included the last 30 days before Christmas when everybody's paying for like overnight, two-day, three-day express. Um, down, 70%, down 77% operating income. That's that's a big hit. That's a really big hit. That's a really big hit. And I, and I, you know, bringing it back here towards, you know, to ground transportation, I don't think it's going to get a lot better. I think a lot of folks too, especially as we look at the re- refrigerated market and the produce markets are going to continue to get hit. One area that we look at extensively for how produce season is shaping up or lack thereof is California, mm-hmm. right? California is a big driver of the produce markets. Let's go ahead and throw this chart up on the screen actually for folks to see. We want to take a look at the refrigerated markets here and and we'll really start to see the impact of that that we're having. So, Right now, blue line is your demand. That's volume shipping out of California for refrigerated truckload shipments. And the green line there are the tender rejections alone. Tender rejections, essentially in the floor. We know that. They're sitting around 1%, just a smidge over. Um, But volumes there in blue, effectively near their lows. However, we have seen over the last week and a half, a little bump. Now, to be fair, we're just back where we were in middle of March, but it's an initial positive sign, I would say, that we're not bleeding further, if nothing else. Yeah, I mean, anytime you stop the decline, it's it's a good thing. It's just a matter of where where does it go? I mean, like you said, re- you look at rejection rates. I mean, we're still talking one point seven nine percent. Like, yeah, it's it, it's crazy to think about. I mean, that's two out of every one hundred tenders being rejected. I mean, it's nothing in the grand scheme of things. And I think what's interesting is, I mean. You start to see, I mean, you look at Martin, right? Martin Transport, big, big player in the refrigerated space, yeah. right? As my refrigerated too, yeah. Their truckload segment, their operating ratio deteriorated in the first quarter by 660 basis points, went from 83.6 to 90.2, but their dedicated actually improved. So, and I think that's a trend you'll see is this dedicated quasi private fleet which is basically what it is because jb hunt has very similar right they it is the contracts are much more sticky than when we say contract freight talking in the truckload space right those are easy to like reject or get out of that contract on the dedicated side it's a little more it's more complicated you don't really see it as much dedicated here improvement of 220 basis points going from 86 to 84 right so you saw it also in J.B. Hunt's earnings that this dedicated part of the business is the part that's faring okay, right? It's it's the ones that are exposed to the overall market conditions, right? Things that are affected by uh, rejection rates and things like that. Those are the areas that are really struggling at the moment. Yeah, because the I mean, contracted rates, if you're in more of a, I guess you could say refrigerated is a niche market compared yep. to drive in. True, right? So... With the smaller market share, contra rates are usually better than, yeah. the, than the spot market rates are. So you're right. So if you have less exposure or contracted business, especially with private fleets, I would expect operating ratios to be pretty de- fairly decent. Yeah, holding up better than maybe someone that's 
drive in specific, just over the road, uh, not in the dedicated space, right? They have contracts, but it's a very different contract than maybe a dedicated. Yeah. Looking back at what we're talking about produce season yeah. here and in California, the the rains have been so bad that it's a delayed produce season. So like, is it, are we going to get the same length of produce season, Luke, you think that we're normally seeing or because it's so late, are we looking at a shortened produce season? That's a good, that's a great question. I mean, here's the deal. Produce, like the produce is going to move yeah. regardless, right? It's going to move regardless. That's, that's one beauty of a fresh food is that it's going to move. Mm-hmm. Right. People will buy it. It will sell. It will move. You can't really wait and store it until next year. So I would argue that due to just the freshness and how quickly they, I, I think you get maybe a, a surge almost in demand for produce out of Southern California, but over a smaller time period. That would be my guess because they want to get it on those shelves. Yeah. And the key there is to pay attention to rejections. Yeah. Because if you have to remember, like, like you just mentioned that it, it does go bad, you're moving it like but you're moving it almost straight from a harvest into like the rate at which it's moving out is a lot faster maybe than other factors, right? So it's a little more direct to spot or it's not going through the tender process or they're not three, four day lead times, right? They're they're same day pickups or pick up the next day or things like that. So pay attention to the rejection rates to determine to really show what's going on produce wise, because I think what you'll see is reefer volumes. Even in the past, they around what you would think is produce season, they've been relatively stable. It's yeah. the rejection rates that change that indicate kind of how strong that produce season is. Yeah. I remember when I was, I used to move blueberries back in the day um, and we would deliver them to Kroger. And one of the things that was really unique about this is I had one, uh, one blueberry farm and a lot of times it was basically farmed straight to the store. Yeah you know, for their particular season, we used to pick up for them. And I mean, I remember I would get calls saying, all right, we got a shipment. It'll be ready in two hours. Come pick it up. And you're basically picking it up at the farm. Now, obviously you're not driving through the fields. You know, they, they had facilities there that they did, they did a great operation, but it was pick it up and it was get it, get it, to, get it to the store as quickly as possible. Yeah. Team drivers. I mean, the whole thing. So that's when you knew it was like, okay, these are the shipments that it's like, it has to be there. So I, yeah, you're right. You know, that's when rejections start start to kick in. There's not really contracts in that particular um, type of freight. Um, I do I do want to pick here. Let's pivot just a little bit though. We're going to talk about uh, earnings. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna look at JB Hunt since they just reported earnings two days ago. I think it'd be really impactful and relevant to see what's happening there as we look at the rest of the market and how some of these recessionary pressures have really impacted the financials of these companies. Before we do though, do want to highlight uh, June. It's coming up. Put it on your calendars. Um, the future supply chain is June twentieth uh, and twenty first. So be sure to be there. With Sonar, we'll be there, of course. We're going to have some great guests speaking uh, uh, here on the show. Actually, Halliburton will be speaking on With Sonar, and we're trying to get a few more there. Coca Cola will be at the event as well, speaking. So should be a great time. So future supply chain, put it on your calendars. All right. Now earnings. JB Hunt just reported earnings. Um, Tony, give us the breakdown. I mean, they <laughs> highlighted that we're in a freight recession, right? It's stuff that we've we've talked about for a while. Right. But I mean, this is really the first time you've heard from a management team freight recession or the term freight recession in this cycle, right? We're we're firmly in it. You start looking at at the overall like impacts on their earnings. I mean, what, what were the highlights? Like, was there anything that was surprising? 
I don't think it was surprising. I think the big one was their brokerage, the revenue on their brokerage arm that's been kind of their growth arm in recent years. Revenue down 42% year over year. I think that was maybe the biggest surprise. 42%. Yeah, so that was the big surprise. But then you look, and this is kind of to be expected, you look inside that, gross margins expanded. But why is that? That mean, rates down. Yeah, you were able to push your spot rates down faster than what your contract rates. And that is, I think that's a theme you're going to see throughout. And it happened at Martin too. I think that's going to be a theme that you'll see throughout is margin expansion, even though maybe top line and bottom line numbers maybe don't miss or meet expectations. I think you're going to see there are some, those margin levels improve, at least on the brokerage side. They probably don't, they're not going to improve likely on the truckload side, just given headwinds with higher fuel prices, maintenance, like those costs are still elevated, right? But in terms of the cost of purchase transportation, you've been able to push it down. I was looking, what is it? Contract rates in the first quarter are down 8% from the beginning to the end. Spot rates were down 18% or somewhere in the like. So wow. I, I, it's not a surprise, but I think it's for freight brokerages, I think it's a win in a challenging environment. So looking at here, you've got a 6% miss on EPS and a 5% miss on revenue. That's coming right off of a Q4 in December of a 21% miss on EPS. But the stock's up $3 today, $4 today. So I I, I don't know. What, Tony, did they say anything about their forward guidance? What, what's the outlook for them? I remember this is just a couple of days ago. Yeah, so they need to go. Then actually, I, I was going to say, I haven't listened to the call, but yeah. everything I've seen is they were really bullish in... Q4 about the back half of the year. And now uh, it's more concerns about what does the consumer do? And so they're a little more cautious with their forecast, and especially around the back half. So I think that's going to be another thing, right? Is yeah. uh, these expectations, they're going to start pushing. They're going to have some, a positive outlook, but it's, is that, that timeline's going to be moved back. I think now, I don't think they were looking the beginning of the back half of the year, really the back half of Q2 into Q3 is that like strength. And it's right now, it appears that it's not going to be near as strong. Right. Now, I think it's important too, to probably highlight that, you know, there's some, there's some interesting things that we can see here within, with the data that makes a lot of these, a lot of these calls. JV Hunt, very exposed to intermodal. 48% of the revenue comes from intermodal, but it represents 70% of their operating income. And uh, let's go ahead and pull pull this chart up here. This, I think, will really highlight this quite nicely. So J.B. Hunt announced a 5% decline in intermodal volumes quarter over quarter from this past quarter to the same quarter of the year prior. And, I mean, you can see right here our intermodal volume that J.B. Hunt is exposed to most, which is the domestic loaded containers, which is what the chart represents. Quarter to quarter here, you can see the trend line drawn down almost 4.6%. So with, within less than half a percent margin, I mean, there's really no surprise, right? There's re- so there's really no surprise there. Um, so it highlights it quite nicely. Um, yes, yeah, so seeing a decline in volume wasn't a surprise. I think the surprising part to me, uh, the revenue per load on the intermodal side actually increased, which is, it, is. it shows that the company has some pricing power. Uh, and they're able to flex kind of their their muscle in that space when it comes to to pricing. 
I mean, you look at our intermodal contract rates, right? Then what are they down? Down like 4% and you're talking revenue per load, which is probably a proxy for that contract rate that they're receiving up basically 1%. It's pretty good. I mean, all things considered, uh, when you start looking at all the other things that were down in the quarter, that one was up. Uh, yeah, maybe not so bad. Maybe not so bad for the future, right? If that volume comes back in a meaningful way and revenue per load is still growing or a little now, the caveat cost per load was up higher than revenue per load, right? Right. Margin squeeze, but st- again, you still have pricing. You got to so find the ways that you can find them in a downturn. Yep, exactly. Tanner, Tanner, what you what you working on over here? What do yes. You- so, so intermodal contracted rates year to date are down 10%. Okay. About 20 cents per mile. Again, that's that's okay. that's the average initial reported base rate on what's coming directly from invoiced yeah. intermodal contract rates. So, so they, they have a lot of pricing power. Yep. Um, it's not, I mean, intermodal is a lot more niche than truckload market. You oh, don't have as many players in the market with JB Hunt having, you know, 70% of the operating coming from that. It's That's that's their buying power. Yeah, for sure. So no, they definitely uh, are able to flex their muscles when it comes yeah. to intermodal pricing, for sure. My question is, how long does it continue? Because if you look at the spread between intermodal and truckload here, let's pull this chart up. It's about the lowest it's really been in the last five years, just about. Uh, next chart, it should be the uh, the spread there on the intermodal. There it is. Look at that. Yeah, so about not just under 9.5% right now is the savings rate from intermodal to uh, the truckload. Or excuse me, from truckload to intermodal. It's, it's almost cheaper on several lanes to ship it on a truck than it is a rail. I was looking from LA to Miami, some pretty long trains at cross country. It's about a thousand dollars cheaper to send it on a dedicated truck than it is on rail. That's, that's gnarly. Yeah. How does that conversation go with our customers right now? Have any of them talked about that, that tend to lean on intermodal? Like, I guess what, what's happening in that conversation? Yeah. Especially, especially, yeah, especially on the, like the servicing side. Um, I mean, we think about truckload, it's faster. There's less touch points. And usually it's, it's just, it's overall that the service levels are higher. So a lot of customers that are looking at this data and saying, well, why, why instead, yes, I could technically save a little bit more money if it's just intermodal, but if I can increase my service, deliver product faster to my end customer, why would I not just pay a little bit more for truckload? So I think that's why we see, I think that, that, that outbound total rail volume, I think that's why that took even more of a dip is because there, some people are switching from intermodal back to truckload, which historically it's been the other way around. And yeah, and I think that's a trend, obviously, to pay attention to, right? This was an index, this savings index was one I, I Mike Boundis has talked about it a bunch, like all year, right? It needs to be back up in that 15% range to really make intermodal competitive with truckload. And I think this is the concerning one. If I was a JV Hunt or a Hub Group or somebody that was really exposed to the intermodal space, right? Obviously, again, they have business arms that do other things, but their primary income is intermodal. You run the risk. Now it's not perfect and it's not the easiest thing just to switch modes, right? To go from intermodal to truckload or vice versa, right? There are some, let me see, it's it's not as easy as just flipping a switch, right? But in this instance, I mean, you've noticed it come down pretty significantly really for the last, what, 16, 18 months, something like that. So- I mean, you're talking end of 2021 when it was at its highest, around 18%. Now, basically cut in half at nine and a half. So, I mean, you're talking 
at this point, those are conversations you can have, especially throughout like this bid. Because, uh, I mean, it, it is bid season and, well, it's award season now for RFPs, but it's those players that can offer both, I think, that are going to have the benefit both yeah. when the market turns around, right? If this summer comes back into, you can use some flexibility in modal ships to your advantage, for sure. Honestly, if I was a private equity company or I was an investor right now, like a lot of, a lot of the indexes are kind of telling me that there's a lot of buy, like great time to buy. Well, it could go down lower. I mean, and that's not, that's not financial advice, of course, but you know, hypothetically speaking, I mean, where this is coming from is we're seeing a lot of the five-year historical lows be tested, mm -hmm. right? Spreads at the lowest it's been. Will it go lower? Maybe, but how much lower, right? Uh, NTI, right? Our spot rate index is already below pre-COVID highs. I mean, with the cost way higher. Again, how much lower does it go? Maybe some. So it's like, I mean, there's a, and, and, I, and we talked about this earlier, right? I mean, that really makes the M&A space very attractive for, for a lot of companies, especially private equity companies. Yeah, I mean, valuations have basically been driven into the ground. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, why would you, I mean, why would you not? I, and I had this conversation with Bill this morning on FreightWaves Now. It's like, if you think of the stock market for publicly traded companies, like those getting into involved, I mean, you're trying to plan it out six months. Like you knew this down cycle was coming. You saw those moves in the past. Well, now we're kind of, at or near the bottom, if you're starting to try to game when this thing's going to take off again, you're getting close to that point based on, again, OTVI's kind of stalled out at this level that it's at. Rejection rates, honestly, probably can't go much lower. You look at the spot, or the NTIF, right? It, it signals a bottoming and a little bit of a recovery into May. Yeah. Like, you're starting to get into seasonal periods where, hey, things maybe do pick up a little. Maybe right now it's, again, not financial advice, but it's like you start looking at some of these signals, you start planning six months out from now that that's going to be where this thing's returning. Well, now's the time that you'd see that start to... to Tanner, I saw you talk about something the other day about the, uh, the NTF forecast. It's starting to pick up a little bit, isn't it? Yeah, I don't know if it's seasonality. I don't know if it's the late produce season, but interesting enough, I think this morning was the first time in a long time where FreightWave's 28-day forecast, meaning 28 days from now, is higher than the current day's rate. Um, so that bottom you're talking about is around. So right now we're at 223 a mile. It, we're at forecasting a bottom of about 216 late April. And then as you said, that recovery is supposed to be like a 14, 15 cent increase over like a 10 day span. Yeah. So it looks like a bottom and it looks like a bounce. But you don't know. I mean, it's a, it is a forecast, right? Our algorithms are forecasting the bottom and that there's going to be a bounce. So we'll find out if it's right or not. Yeah. I mean, the question's going to be is like, <laughs> how long can we run at a or at or around the bottom, right? Like, is this something right? Like, 2019 was a bottom, but it lasted basically the whole year or ended early 2020, right? 20, 2020 wasn't shaping up to be the great a great year until COVID really happened. So, like, what? How long does this part of the cycle last? Yeah. I think that's the big question. You had a lot of possible bullish signals coming over the next few months. Uh, I mean, you've got one last interest rate hike from the Fed. <laughs> you've got the housing market starting to pick up a little bit with interest rates dropping below 6%. There's a few things that could be a catalyst for that increase in the market to continue. It, there, a lot of things are going to have to unfold on top of what we've been talking about 
for weeks almost, if not months, is that we're going to have to start seeing some larger carriers exit the market. Yep. If you get a perfect storm of all that happening, you might get a reversal in the, in the back half of the summer. Yeah, it's it it does, like you said, it almost has to be a perfect storm at this point. But uh, they're definitely, it's it could happen because we've seen it happen. We've seen the market flip on a dime. Uh, I mean, really, look at COVID, right? It was a six-week six from peak to trough back to another like ramp and that ramp lasted two years so it, it it can happen again but maybe not to that extreme but we could see the market turn quickly i just don't know how likely that is yeah it'll be interesting to see well anyways folks thanks so much for listening we're getting here close towards the end of time uh remember state of free is tomorrow be sure to sign up for that it'll be a great time very informative uh and you'll be able to ask questions throughout it and then at the end of june june 20th and 21st we have our future supply chain event. So be sure to look online at live.freebase.com for more details there. Have a fantastic rest of your Wednesday. We will see you next week. Take care.